heroes. Who are they and what are they made of? We are talking about heroes today on this episode of B-Side. Heroes we know, heroes who may have been forgotten, and the heroes inside each and every one of us. Business World reporter Tobias Jared Tomas speaks with historian and author John Ray Ramos about what it means to be a Bayani. Hello, this is Tobias Jared Tomas of Business World, and I am joined here today by Mr. John Ray Ramos. John Ray Ramos is a history lecturer in the Ateneo de Manila University Institute of Formation and Religious Studies. He is the author of Bayani Biographies of Sarazel and the co-author of Bayani Biographies Andres Bonifacio, published by Cahel Press. Our topic for today is forgotten historical figures, or rather, you know, the lesser-known side of Philippine history. To start things off, what is a hero? What constitutes a hero here in the Philippines anyway? Actually, the term hero it has multiple meanings, kumbaga, uh, from popular culture to mythological definitions, and even in our cultural definition, na ang term natin ay isang bayani. Bayani is our word for hero. To define what a hero means para sa atin, we have to first recognize that the term hero, it originally came from Greek mythology na kung saan we have uh, these mythological heroes like Hercules. So you have Greek mythological heroes whose story, because mythology are also stories or myths, kumbaga, uh, the focus of the story is the heroes themselves. So despite their actions having Uh, severe consequences. The story revolves around the heroism and even the tragedies of these uh, mythological heroes, which is quite different from the concept of heroism for Filipinos or for the Philippines. It's actually from Filipino historians and scholars who were able to define uh, and separate this term hero from our own concept, which is the Bayani. So, for example, if we look at Western history, this reflects on how they tell stories about their heroes, which is the focus is the person. So, we have, for example, for France, it's Napoleon Bonaparte. Or for for Western histories, we, fo- we focus on kings. We focus on the story of warriors yeah. and their personal lives and their romances, etc. And those who... And the nations, the armies, and the battles that they led, the people are usually just extra characters or their casualties, which is usually not mentioned or not an important, that important part of their stories or their mythology. So that's the tradition of Eroe, according to Dr. Salazar, which is different from a history with a focus on the Bayani. In our tradition of history, we call it kasaysayan. It's a combination of salaysay and saysay, which means a narrative or salaysay and saysay meaning meaning. The way we tell or depict heroes for us or yung kwento ng mga Bayani, hindi mo pwedeng alisin yung Bayani sa kanyang background, which is yung bayan. So meaning, kwento ng isang Bayani ay nakatali sa kanyang bayan, sa kwento ng kanyang bayan. We cannot separate, for example, Jose Rizal from Philippine society. We cannot separate Andres Bonifacio from the Katipuneros. Even though they are the leaders of their particular movements, hindi natin pwedeng tanggalin sila in their context na sila lang. We cannot, for example, remove Rizal from the propaganda and from the Filipino people. 
and those he, he inspired to fight. We cannot remove Andres Bonifacio from the Katipunan at yung mga anak ng bayan and those revolutionaries who continued the struggle even after he died. We cannot remove the stories of Halimbawa, martial law heroes without recognizing that there are martyrs who also fought and struggled during the dictatorship in the 1970s and 80s. Ayun. So, kumbaga, it's more effective na ikwento natin yung kwento ng mga bayani ayan, using our tradition that we cannot separate them. We cannot just focus on their personality without understanding bakit nga ba sila lumaban because we are part of the story. History is about our stories. To understand our heroes means to also understand ourselves and our society. Actually, the problem with depicting our heroes like Western heroic mythologies, kumbaga, let's separate it, the bayani versus the eroe. Yeah. So the eroe kasi is the ideal. The eroe is an image, is a person na nilalagay natin sa pedestal. We put it on the pedestal and then their characteristics are overbloated in their narratives like super galing. We cannot be like them. Ayan. Which is different from the way we tell stories na ng mga bayani na halimbawa pag kinuwento natin yung kwento ni Rizal nung bata siya hindi naman siya ganun ka-smart kid we can imagine yung kanyang first school in Binyan na napapaaway siya etc. is the way we tell stories hindi dapat natin sila dinedepict as heroes na yeah, sobrang taas sobrang talino ayan super genius si Jose Rizal that we cannot be like him Okay, but if we tell the story na more humane, na parts sila ng context, na tulad rin natin silang tao, focusing on their humanity, like what Professor Ambet Ocampo would say in his public lectures, their greatness lies in their humanity. They're flawed humans, but they were capable of doing great deeds. Ayan, they inspired our nation to fight. They led revolutions. Ayan, and they are not, not much different from us. Something I enjoy about that also, you know, about the more human side of heroes. Because again, I had this history professor, Sataneo. Now, when he talked about Sarazal and his friends when they were in Spain, he told us these, frankly, more amusing parts of the stories, how they were mostly broke. Yeah. So, and they love to smoke. So what they would do now is they would wait for more, more gentlemen people to walk by and then they discard their cigarette butt. They'd pick them up and then they'd roll it again and then they'd smoke yes. it like that. Yes, actually that's what some stories rin na they were also broke. And halimbawa, may kwento, for example, si Rizal, hindi siya pwedeng maligo every day kasi kailangan may, parang may bayad ang every basin of water na, na pang-wash mo sa sarili mo. So, kumbaga, kahit malamig naman sa Europe kasi hindi ka naman masyado nagpapawis, uh-huh. hanggang punas-punas ka na lang. At oh. nagreklamo si Rizal sa isang sulat niya sa kanyang mga kapatid na ano, hindi siya makapaligo every day dahil may singil or magagalit yung kanyang landlord pag ginawa niya yun. <laughs> On that note of lesser parts of Filipino okay. hero history. Some lesser known parts. Siguro ano, to emphasize yung uh-huh. theme natin or topic natin for na which is somewhat forgotten heroes yeah. or the humanity of heroes. If we imagine today tayo, ano bang mga uso ngayon? We have for example K-pop, K-drama, killer literature, anime, yeah. or book series. For example, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, mga anime. Actually, yung mga bayani natin are somewhat meron din. They also consume media. They also uh, love art and they also entertain themselves, etc. And siguro one interesting note on it and somewhat common and something that connects heroes with one another. Noong 19th century kasi, we have a record na Jose Rizal 
Andres Bonifacio and Apolinario Mabini are fans of a particular book. Itong book na ito is written by also a historically notable person in our history and could also be considered a proto-nationalist. Ayan. So, who's that? At anong book ito, di ba? So, favorite nila actually yung Florante at Laura. We know that Francisco Balagtas, he wrote Florante at Laura in the early part or the first part of the 19th century. So, around 1830s if I remember correctly. Pero pagdating ng panahon ni Rizal, Andres Bonifacio at nila Mabini, they were super fans of that. Kumbaga, it's their favorite work in Tagalog. Very interesting kasi may mga themes on it about society. Kumbaga, society being unequal, unfair, and full of injustices. And it explored some social themes and it left a mark sa ating mga bayani, which perhaps contributed to their wokeness. Rizal actually took note of this kasi may baon siyang Florante at Laura in Europe. Ayan. So when he presented a paper in, a, in an academic conference sa Germany, sinabi niya dun sa kanyang paper na Tagalish verse Kunst or that, about the Tagalog language is that Florante at Laura is one of the most beautiful works in the Tagalog language in its peak. Another one is si Andres Bonifacio because a lesser known fact on Andres Bonifacio is that he is also considered an artist and his art form is theater. So he sings and he acts and he dances. <laughs> it's such a contrast, no? Because he's like, he's considered the brawn, you know, if as yeah, a result. Actually, it's an unfair depiction of Andres Bonifacio yeah. because he is also an intellectual in his own right. And most of the writings that he did is in Tagalog. Ayun. And kahit na ganon, he is also fluent in Spanish kasi he is a young professional and tulad natin as yuppies, we should be able to converse fluently in English, di ba? Pero si Andres Bonifacio, dahil ang business language noon is Spanish and he engages with a British company. So may alam siya kahit papaano on certain languages. But more importantly, Spanish. Andres Bonifacio read many books in Spanish including the novels of Rizal in Spanish. Ayun, but going back dun sa kanyang pagiging artist, ayan, si Andres Bonifacio is a theater person. He was part of a theater troupe, Teatro Porvenir in Quiapo. At kasama niya dito yung dalawa pang nationalist natin, si Macario Sakay at si Aurelio Tolentino. Friends niya, mga bayani din. Ayun. Isa sa mga favorite na characters or plays na ginagawa ni Andres Bonifacio is actually Florante at Laura. Mayroon siyang mas my favorite. His most favorite character to depict is Bernardo Carpio. And then the other favorite piece that he wants to perform in theater is Florante at Laura. And then for Apolinario Mabini, uh, nung siya ay nasa exile sa May Guam, uh, he was mocked by his American jailer. Sabi niya, mga Filipinos, mga uncivilized kayo, wala kayong culture. Oh. Wala siyang copy ng Florante at Laura, pero favorite niya yung Florante at Laura. So anong ginawa niya? He rewrote it from memory at pinakita niya sa American jailer niya, oh, yeah, we have literature, we're not savages. Like, I think around the same time also, well, this is 1880s, 1870s, so, you know, there were really a lot of recent revolutions. Europe also closed almost in Russia. That's late, early 19th century. That's the late, latter part of the 19th century. Actually, in Spain, somewhat magulo yung situation politically. It experienced several changes in regime. So, for example, this was because the disruptions caused by the Napoleonic Wars eh, in the first part of the 19th century, which really shook the foundations of Spanish politics. And yun nga, naapektuhan tayo because after the Napoleonic Wars, the Latin American revolutions started 
And then nagkaroon ng crackdown sa Philippines to uproot itong mga liberals na pwedeng mag-stage ng revolutions. And one, for example, is yung self-proclaimed na emperor ng Philippines na si Andres Novales who led revolt. Novales is actually a, a Filipino captain in the Spanish army. He was taking from the example of Napoleon. There were several crackdowns ayun, in the early part of the 19th century. Kaya hindi tayo nakasama dun sa waves of revolution in Latin America because the Spaniards were afraid that they were losing colonies yeah. all over the world and then baka sumunod yung Pilipinas. So they had a crackdown on Spanish liberals. There was distrust and more oppression happened. Talagang binabantayan nila yung mga Pilipino starting on the first part of the of the 19th century. Pero itong sentiment na ito, which uh, there were crackdowns, there were oppression, uh, these sentiments of resentment and resistance would eventually continue up to the latter part. Na yun na yung pinagpatuloy nila Rizal following the execution of Gombursa. Yung Gombursa are considered martyrs in Philippine history kasi the situation wherein they were executed is actually a major injustice for Philippine society kasi ni-redtag sila and dinawit sila in an uprising in Cavite in 1872. And the situation back then was that the workers in a government arsenal staged a strike but it eventually was treated and turned into somewhat a mutiny. And then the crackdowns that followed it, dinawit unfairly yung mga Filipino priests. And the Filipino priests back then are secular in nature, meaning they are not part of religious orders like the Dominicans, Franciscans, ganyan. Yung mga nasa orders, they were the friars. So there is this conflict between the Spanish friars and the Filipino priests or secular priests, non-affiliated but they are Catholic priests na who should be the ones handling yung mga parishes. There is this conflict because in the 19th century, the Filipino priests were increasing already in number but they experienced discrimination from Spanish friars. Ayaw ibigay sa kanila yung mga parokya because they're Indios or even yung mga Spanish-blooded na priests but they are born here in the Philippines so tawag natin mga insulares they also experienced this discrimination. So what they did was that they struggled for equality. That is what we call the secularization movement. The first leader of it is Father Pedro Pelaez, Ayun, another forgotten nationalist. Father Pelaez is the leader of this movement of Filipino priests asking for equality within the Catholic ministry, kumbaga, even though it's under Spanish rule. Unfortunately, Si Father Pelaez ay namatay siya in an earthquake in the 1860s. So he was already the rector of Manila Cathedral. There was a big earthquake back then and the ceiling collapsed and a lot of people, including him, died in that earthquake. So the leadership of that uh, movement will eventually be taken up by Father Jose Burgos. And si Father Burgos, isa dun sa mga dinawet in an 1872 mutiny along with Father Jacinto Zamora and... Mariano Gomez and they were executed brutally by Garote and what happened here is that their martyrdom or their death is what motivated many Filipinos to ask for reforms in our country kaya nagkaroon ng tinatawag na reform movement or yung propaganda movement na kasali sila Rizal it's because of the injustice that happened in 1872 it was a catalyst for as na, oh, kailangan ng pagbabago. So, yung mga pare na ito, yung gombursa, their martyrdom, their death, the injustice that they experienced led to this movement for us trying to ask 
equality and reforms from Spain na alam naman natin na hindi binigay but contributed to our definition of what is a nation. And, and siguro an unknown link lang. Si Jose Burgos had a student slash assistant and friend in the person of another forgotten hero, Pasiano Mercado, o yung kuya ni Rizal. is considered a forgotten or unrealized, unrecognized hero kasi we, we will not have a Jose Rizal without Kuya Pasiano. Connected yung family Mercado sa Gombursa, kaya pinag-initan yung family ni Rizal, which led to the imprisonment of his mother no 1872. It all took a false allegation from a relative to put Doña Chodora in jail. Kasi the family of Rizal, the Mercado family, is connected to Gombursa through Pasiano. Ayan, na assistant and friend and former student ni Jose Burgos. Another part of it is that it was Pasiano who we owe Rizal's wokeness. Most likely because dahil sila lang yung dalawang lalaki within the 11 Mercado children, they grew up close silang magkuya. And Rizal or Jose, the younger brother, is influenced by his kuya. Kasi yun, close sila. And then Pasiano is considered, dahil active siya sa secularization movement, ayun, yung mga friends niya from Letran, they were considered student activists at that time. They also support Filipino priests na, na mamimigay ng mga flyers ganyan, about the education situation and about the plight of the Filipino priests. So ayun, malaki yung influence ni Pasiano sa kanyang batang kapatid na si Jose. And it was also Pasiano who encouraged Rizal through a secret, baga meron silang secret agreement na actually yung trip ni Rizal to Europe to study in Madrid. It was arranged by Pasiano without the knowledge of their family. And sabi niya, ayun, nagkaroon silang agreement ng kuya niya na hindi muna tayo mag-aasawa. Go to Spain, go to Madrid, study, and learn everything that you can and go back here in the Philippines and apply what you learn. And For that, I will stay here, I will help our family, and I will send you allowance. Nung hindi pa doctor si Rizal, he relied on the allowance or the remittance sent by his brother. So kahit na late or kulang yung allowance na natatanggap niyo si Rizal, uh, it was the allowance of that came from his brother that sustained him through his studies until makagraduate siya dun sa kanyang degrees sa University sa Madrid. What was Pashano's job? Dahil yung family nila is engaged in agricultural businesses, he helped with their farming. Ayan, nagmamanage sila ng production ng sugar sa Kalamba, which was an ashenda. So the family of Mercado, they were tenants in the ashenda of the, the Dominican friars. Controversial rin kasi the friars were charging exorbitantly kahit nabagsak yung prices ng sugar. Ayun, they were charging the tenants, which include the family of Mercado, certain hindi adjustable yung prices. Ayun, which also contributed to Rizal writing about what happened in Calamba in the 1880s, uh, El Filibusterismo. Ganun. The thing with Gomberza, it brings up a pattern, no? Like, a lot of our heroes are martyrs. Yung mga bayani, nare-recognize sila out of their contribution or out of their image as a symbol, kumbaga. So halimbawa, yung similar dyan, yung certain martyrs like the Gombursa, including Jose Rizal, but we have to special case natin si Rizal because aside from being just a martyr, he actively contributed to more things. Also, we had kahit na controversial at it's subject to historical distortion, si Ninoy Aquino na pinatay. 
basically, their status as heroes could be considered as martyrs kasi they experience a major injustice or their death is a product of a major system of injustice during that time. So, for example, the Gombursa, they were victims of injustice of the colonial regime. Rizal was also a victim of that colonial regime. And then we also have Ninoy, who was a victim of the Marcos dictatorship. So it was a, their deaths were circumstantial. But we have to also consider kung ano yung ginawa nila before they died. Na kung saan, the three priests were part of the secularization movement. Rizal did all what he did. And then Ninoy also stood up. Even though he was exiled in the United States, he stood up and spoke against the dictatorship. In that case, the worst thing that their oppressors would do actually is to kill them. Dahil nga tumindig sila and nakilala sila in standing up against uh, these injustices, a bullet or their deaths would just cement their legacy in Philippine history. That's one way of putting it. Some of our heroes are considered martyrs. It's because their deaths showed this major injustice and something that we should be fighting for which is to fight against injustices and to uphold certain values in our society, which they really showed. Love of country and uh, the ideas of liberty, democracy, and freedom na kumbaga, uh, during the times of their deaths are basically under attack or non-existent pa. So they stood up for something. That's why they became symbols. Kaya sila tinaguri ang bayani. Why we commemorate Araw ng Kagitingan in April 9. Another defeat, death march. Actually, an interesting take on this is that it was one of the most definitive events and most emotionally charged event in World War II in the Philippines. Because people were really rooting for the defenders of Bataan and the other USAFE forces around the archipelago. And what they did, the Japanese kasi had 50 days to conquer the entire Philippines. Yeah. But ano nangyari? Or less than two months yung deadline. Anong ginawa ng mga defenders ng Corridor? They lasted for almost four months. And what happened is that yung speech na sinulat ni Salvador Lopez in Yung Bataan Has Fallen was read in radio, uh, was broadcasted sa Philippines over the voice of freedom sa Corregidor. And the people who heard that broadcast were basically crying. Even if we commemorate Araw ng Kagitingan, kasi pinakita natin yung Kagitingan despite the overwhelming and more superior forces that the Japanese threw at us. And in the end, we had to surrender, but pinakita natin na kaya natin tumindig against a more superior, superior enemy. But, our struggle didn't end with the surrender in Bataan. What followed is that we had a strong guerrilla movement, the strongest guerrilla movement in Southeast Asia, in Asia during World War II, na basically, which liberated lots of areas even before the return of MacArthur in October of 1944. And then, wala nang major definitive date ang sa World War II in following that. Siguro yung the last one would be the surrender of General Yamashita in September of 1945. Uh, it was emotional kasi somewhat martyrdom yung surrender in Bataan. The defenders of it, yung mga Pilipinong sundalo were martyred and their sacrifice basically uh, fueled or intensified our struggle against our oppressors which at that time were the Japanese. 
yun yung epekto ng mga martyr sa kasaysayan natin. It's a really profound impact. Now, I was gonna talk about din sana, you know, the significance of how these heroes impact the actions of ordinary individuals that they themselves yes. can become heroes. So actually, dun nga papasok yung what makes yung mga bayani natin separate from the Western concept of hero na for the hero, it's just them. It's just Hercules. It's just Perseus. The story is about them. But sa atin, yung mga bayani, their story includes the people. It includes us. It includes the bayan. Kumbaga. So it's not a story of the way that we should be telling yung mga kasaysayan natin, yung history natin. It's not in a way na sila lang. Dapat kasama yung context nila. Ba, ano yung pinaglalaban nila? And what they inspired the people continued which led to the rise of other heroes who continued the struggle. Because I recalled kanina si Lapu-Lapu because you know, many hmm. consider him the first Filipino hero. But I learned later on that at the time of the Battle of Mactan, he was likely already very, very old. Probably like late 60s <laughs> or 70s. And you know, all the art depicting the battle shows him Machu stance, cutting down Magellan. I wonder that in Lapu-Lapu's case. Lapu-Lapu's case is interesting because... Uh, if you look into it clearly, yung pinaglaban ni Lapu-Lapu is actually away siya sa pagitan ni Lapu-Lapu and Raja Humabon. At si Magellan ay nadamay sa away ng dalawa. Actually, the story of Lapu-Lapu didn't end with the death or defeat of Magellan. It would transcend time and will find its way sa mga bayani natin like Rizal, Hasinto, etc. Kahit na nag-fail yung request nila to get reforms, they were able to change the narrative of Philippine history kasi yung mga accounts na yung mga ninuno natin, we had our own culture, our own way of life, is a counter-narrative dun sa sinasabi sa atin ng mga Kastila na bago sila dumating, we are savages. Yung essence of Lapu-Lapu, kahit na konti lang yung alam natin about him, ano ba siya, matanda ba siya or bata ba siya? But in the end, he's the leader of the warriors of Mactan. So the victory is attributed to his leadership. So natalo natin yung isang mananakop or isang Kastila na gusto makialam sa ating way of life and he delivered victory as a stand against colonizers. And that spirit would find its way doon sa writings nila Rizal, Graciano Lopez Haina, and even Emilio Jacinto. That's what makes Lapu-Lapu special. Though he can't be considered national hero yet kasi yung, yung time na pinaglaban niya yung Pilipinas, wala pang Pilipinas. No? There's no such thing as a unified empire or kingdom in the Philippines. We are separate polities with the lack of a better term. Personally, my favorite historical figure has to be Joan of Arc. And towards the duration of this talk, I ended up thinking, do we have any significant female heroes also on our side here in the Philippines? Of course. Female heroes. Yeah, mga uh, babaeng bayani. Uh-uh. Yun yung problem rin sa kasaysayan natin. It's mostly macho affair. Ah, <laughs> Na, but we have to recognize yung importance ng kababaihan, especially in Philippine history. For example, one. Uh, we have to recognize that our ancestors and our society by tradition is matrifocal. Mm-hmm. Or ibig sabihin, there is a great importance placed sa women in society. Example dyan is that, okay, mare-reflect pa rin ito today. Kung ang isang lalaki ay na Pilipino, ay ikasal sa, ayun, ikinasal, uh-huh. mas magiging close yung lalaki sa pamilya ng babae after marriage. That's one. 
also in Bontok, for example, in the documentary, Walang Rape sa Bontok, uh, there's a instance there that kung may isang kabilang grupo or another community that decides to attack one community, tapos wala yung mga lalaki to defend it, yung gagawin ng kababaihan of that community is just to show their private parts and then the men will turn back because in their tradition, sinasabi, malas daw tignan yung pinanggalingan. But it also shows that uh, women are treated with respect and veneration in, by our ancestors. But when colonialism arrived, as is colonialism, yung Western colonialism, yung Spanish colonialism, is patriarchal. They tried to place women in a certain category, na Maria Ala- Clara in uh-huh. archetype. And Rizal noted that the Spanish system tries to make women into a Maria Clara na voiceless, defenseless, even though pure and kind-hearted, false victim to the Spanish system, to the Spanish patriarchy. And even the way religion treats women, eh, parang, ayun, dapat sa bahay lang kayo, etc. There's lack of education. But women in the 19th century are a special case. We see here that women would be the ones who would engage in labor struggle in the 19th century. So, yung mga union and asking for better working conditions, there are accounts. Kasi women are employed in factories, like tobacco factories, and they would engage in labor struggle for better terms. So we have to recognize yung kabayanihan ito ng mga women unions in the 19th century. That's one. Also, Rizal was proven wrong dun sa point niya na ang mga kababaihan ay parang Maria Clara nung women of Malolos na sinulatan niya. Rizal congratulated the women of Malolos in a very important letter. Na one of the rare writings of Rizal in Tagalog na pinakita niya sa akin na ito yung kakayahan ng kababaihan. Kasi akala ko noon, mga Maria Clara lang. They showed that women have their own agency in the Spanish system. Kahit na merong patriarchal na sistema, yung kababaihan, Filipina, never lost their agency in that struggle. And during the time of the revolution, we have women taking active roles in the Philippine Revolution na... They also fought. They also led battles. So, halimbawa dyan, sila Trinidad Texon. And then, si Gregoria de Jesus, yung asawa ni Andres Bonifacio, also took leadership sa women's chapter ng Katipunan and actively did support roles during the war for independence natin. Or when we are waging war against the Spaniards. Siyempre, we should not forget Teresa Magbanwa in the Visayas. We should also remember Gabriela Silang, even mas maagal pa before, na who became leaders in their own struggle. At Gabriela Silang is a symbol for women's movement, women in struggle. So from the tradition of Gabriela Silang, kasi she defied yung stereotypes during her time, which is patriarchal Spanish colonial society sa Philippines. Nandyan din yung Nung World War II, mga kababaihan also engaged in fighting and even led guerrillas, guerrilla movements, especially in the Hukbalahap. We have female commanders in Central Luzon, sila Commander Liwayway, etc. So, yun yung kailangan ring i-improve when it comes to scholarship and in terms of public history na yung Philippine history, yung pakikibaka natin against oppression, for hundreds of years, it's not a macho affair. Kasi nandiyan yung kababaihan. So we need to really remember itong mga female heroes na meron tayo in 
our history and even in our discourses. And of course, they have important women in their lives which help them in their struggle, di ba? Uh, another kasi mafo-forget na natin yung mga heroes na nasa 1,000 pesos. Tinanggal sila sa bagong 1,000 pesos. Yeah. Sasabihin nila, hindi pa naman out of circulation. But ang hindi sinasabi is that they will not be printing new bills with the three heroes. Pag naluma yung bill, itatanggalin out of circulation until lahat ng bills ay mapalitan na nung bago. So, yung three heroes na na-forget natin are actually, they represent certain aspects of heroism in World War II. So, halimbawa, yung active resistance, si General Lim, Vicente Lim, who fought in Bataan and engaged in the underground movement. Si Jose Abad Santos was a public official who denied or who didn't collaborate with the enemy. So, he stood by his principles and he offered his life for the freedom of the Philippines. So, he's considered a martyr. And then we have Jose Fallanes Escoda, na humanitarian, one of the founders of the Girl Scouts of the Philippines. And I think also part of the Red Cross. So, Sha in the underground, in the part of the guerrillas, in the underground resistance against the Japanese, nagpupuslit sila ng mga pagkain at mga gamot sa mga prisoner camps. And then, ang nangyari is that she was executed or she, actually she was never found after she was arrested by the Japanese during the battle for Manila in February of 1945. So, si Josefa Escoda is part of this tradition of women women heroes natin na who actively engage in fighting against an oppressor. Yeah, unfortunately, yung tatlong persons na ito will be gone in the future. So, I guess closing remark? Siguro, as a last remark lang. And there are a lot of heroes kasi yung mga bayani natin, it's not just on a national level. There are also... We have local heroes in many parts of our country. But in nga, the story of our heroes, if we'll die, if we don't continue telling them. So that's why it's important to really put emphasis or we should really value yung kasaysayan natin. Not just the national history that we have, but our local histories na nakatali sa ating mga lugar. We should be continuing to record uphold their memory and keep telling their stories for the next generations. Kasi pagiging Pilipino natin is tied with our history. And our history is not a history of defeats. It's not a history of being weak, but rather it is a history of struggle na kung saan many of our heroes died and fought for the values and the ideals that we try to uphold for today. So, history is not a subject na dapat ay tinitaken for lightly. So, we should be enhancing our knowledge about history. So, sana sa next administration, there should be an emphasis in returning history as a dedicated subject in high school. Kahit na limited ang capabilities natin for now, we, public historians and even enthusiasts in history, uh, we continue to talk about these things. We talk, we <laughs> we guess in podcasts, for yeah. example. <laughs> we engage in public lectures. We write books for children. We keep telling our story and our story of being Filipinos, our struggle for freedom, democracy, and equality is a very interesting and inspiring story to tell over and over and to be passed on sa mga susunod pang mga Pilipino. Uh, I like the point you brought up, you know, like you don't, 
our heroes only truly die when they're forgotten. Yes, that's it. So just keep their memory alive, and they'll be alive forever. All right. So uh, thank you, Mr. John J. Ramos, for joining me here at B-Site. That was a very interesting. I miss school. I miss going to history class. So this is a very nice treat for me, and I hope you enjoyed as well. So thank you for joining me. Goodbye. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Business World reporter Tobias Jared Tomas speaking with historian and author John Ray Ramos. A message for our times from Mr. Ramos. Our history is not a history of defeat. It is not a history of being weak, but rather it is a history of struggle. Our heroes died and fought for the values and ideas we uphold today. Let us continue telling their stories. This episode was recorded remotely on April 27, 2022. It was produced by Earl R. Lagunino and me, Samuel Marcello. Thanks for listening.